Good morning. It's good to see you today. This is First Baptist Church, not the Indianapolis Speedway. But welcome anyways. It's been an exciting week at First Baptist. We've had about 35 to 40 children and 15 to 20 adults, college students, teenagers helping with Smack Week. It's a week for our children to come and to, to learn a musical, to learn and, and to, to be a part of Bible study and fellowship and, and activities. And it was a wonderful week. And they shared with their parents and grandparents uh, their musical on Friday night and are preparing at our late service at 1050 to share in worship during that time. I would encourage you to, to stick around for it's about 40 minutes and would love to see some of you stay and celebrate with our children their hard work and their opportunity to lead us in worship. A powerful message through the musical uh, that they will be sharing at the later service. Uh, it is the first Sunday of August, and as we know, that means that uh, things are changing in Norman. I hope that all the road construction is coming to an end, don't you? As the 20,000, 25,000 students, we know Lindsay and, and the highway are going to be crazy, especially on game days this year. But again, students are returning uh, to their extracurricular activities. Sororities are, are in town. Teachers are going back to their classrooms. Uh, students, including my daughter, are going back to school today, in fact. So uh, it's, a, it's a special day for us. But thank you for being here today as we worship the Lord. Uh, our choir and orchestra continue with their summer sabbatical. The, the choir, this is their first Sunday off, so it's good to see some choir folks here uh, in the congregation this morning. And uh, they'll be back in a couple of weeks as we start the new school year and the new church year as well. We have been reading through the Proverbs this summer, and I hope that is, as we start the third month of the summer, that maybe you've had a chance to read through each of the Proverbs once or, or twice, maybe even three times, uh, through your daily devotions and your quiet times. Today, on this August the 7th, we are in Proverbs chapter 7. So if you would, turn with me to Proverbs 7. We've read some of the scripture from there. Again, it's a, it's a beautiful proverb. It's a, it's a powerful proverb. It, it's a proverb that has a story to tell, a narrative, a, a, a metaphor, an allegory to share with us. And we'll talk about that in a few moments as well. But I want to begin by asking what I believe is one of the fundamental questions of life. Now certainly this question, does God really desire the best life for us? Even this question makes at least three prior assumptions. First of all, that there is a God. Next, that God created us. And in creating us, that God somehow cares or that we're created for a purpose and, and for a plan. That, that we have a, a theistic worldview that says not only did God create us, but God has an interest in our lives and how we live as opposed to a, a deistic point of view that says, well, there, there may have been a God who created us, but as soon as we were created, as the universe was created, God stepped back simply to admire and to look at His creation. And so I believe that, that for most of us today, we come with, with these assumptions that God is God, that God created us, God has a purpose and plan for each of our lives. And so this question that we look at today 
really becomes a question that is, is vital and central to the life that we choose to live each and every day. Does God really desire the best life for us or is God some kind of a, the way we used to say it was cosmic killjoy that created us, and remember the garden story, don't eat out of that tree. Well, we focus on what God says don't do, don't eat out of this tree, as opposed to the, the incredible, numerous, countless invitations that God gives us to enjoy life. We look at the Ten Commandments, eight of which begin, thou shalt not. And regrettably, for many people outside of the church, outside of faith in Christ, Christianity is more about what we can't do, is more about don'ts, than it is about do's. Than it is about God's invitation to life. Could it be that God's love is manifested through His commands and through His commandments and that through our obedience we discover and experience life to its fullest. Life as God intended it to be lived. Life in harmony with Him. Life in harmony with ourselves. Life in harmony with each other and certainly with cre creation. I believe that as we've read through the Proverbs this summer, we have discovered and we have been reminded of the incredible wisdom of God. Wisdom for life. Proverbs 7 begins with a reminder. In verse 2, he simply says, Keep my commands and you will live. Keep my commands and you will enjoy an abundant life. Notice in these first verses how, how much the, the writer of the proverb is, is focused on instructing his son. Store up, in verse 1 he says, store up my commandments within you. Store them up, treasure them. Place them deep within so that you can draw from them in your time of need, in your time of hunger and thirst. Store them up, meditate on these commands. And you will live. Verse 2, guard my teachings, guard my commands as the apple of your eye. What, what is the apple of my eye? What, what does that, that mean? The apple of your eye is, is your pupil. The pupil of your eye is, is the apple of your eye. It is through your pupil that light enters into your brain. That light comes into your life. That things come out of the shadows and that you can know and understand. And the scripture says, guard his teachings and guard his commands as you would guard the, the apple of your eye. As you would protect and guard your eyes so that light continue to come in. So that your life can continue to be lit. Your paths bright and open so that you can follow the path of the Lord. Verse 3, bind, bind these teachings on your fingers. Those of us that are married wear a wedding ring. In much the same way, this, 
The, the, the proverb is saying, bind these commands outwardly. Bind them so that the whole world knows that you are committed to following and walking in the teachings and the ways of Christ. Have you bound His teachings upon you in such a way that the whole world knows just as I wear this wedding ring to proclaim to the whole world my love and my faithfulness, my commitment to my wife. Lastly, in verse 3, write them on the tablet of your heart. Write His commands inwardly. It's not just the outward expression that, that the author is worried about. Not just letting the world know, but bind. Write these commandments on your heart so that they shape and mold and influence every part of you just as you would outwardly express your faith and trust and obedience in the Lord. Make that an inward commitment so that you live a life of integrity as well. In verse 4, the proverb continues by inviting us to embrace wisdom. To embrace understanding. Verses 4 and 5, Say to wisdom, You are my sister. A term of endearment for your wife. That you and wisdom would be intimate, would share unity, would, there would be a oneness about the way you live and express your life as with your wife, as you live and your wife exudes wisdom. Continuing on, and call understanding your kinsman, call understanding your intimate friend, call understanding your relative. There's a powerful picture of the, the relationship of the kinsman and the story of Ruth and Boaz. Ruth looking to Boaz as her kinsman protector, her kinsman provider. In this sense, as we embrace wisdom as our kinsman, there's a, a sense of protection, there's a, a sense of provision in our lives when we embrace wisdom as an intimate friend and relative. But notice as we finish these first five verses of of this proverb as we move into the narrative portion of this proverb there's there's a, an important warning verse 6 puts it this way the writer of the proverb as he's instructing his son begins to tell a story son one day through the window of our house through the window of my house I looked out I looked out through the lattice I looked out the window and I saw a young man. I'm reminded here of another metaphor that some of you may be familiar with. We're mostly familiar with John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, the, the story in which he is best known for. It's an allegory of, of Christian who journeyed from his own city of destruction to the celestial city for eternity. After writing this beautiful and powerful allegory, Bunyan wrote an allegory called The Holy War. Again, another allegory for the spiritual life and the spiritual warfare that we often find ourselves in. In this story, John Bunyan talks about the town of Mansoul, M-A-N-S-O-U-L, the town of Mansoul that was created by Shaddai. Created for Shaddai's delight. This town was protected and nurtured by Shaddai. And Shaddai lived in the heart 
of man's soul. A palace, a paradise that was created just for him so that he might live among his people. The impregnable walls around the town protected the people from all dangers with five gates that could only be opened from the inside and could never be forced open from the outside. You may be familiar with these five gates. Ear gate, eye gate, mouth gate, nose gate, feel gate. There was no water gate, but I imagine in the day maybe he would have added that one, but... The five gates guarding man's soul. While these gates were guarded, there was no enemy who could enter or injure the town. Yet as fate would have it, the enemy began to gather. Began to gather at ear gate. And began to speak its lies and its half-truths. The community began to, to gather outside of that ear gate to listen and to see what the commotion was about. As the town gathered, as the town leaders gathered, it wasn't soon before the opportunity to slay Captain Resistance was taken advantage of by the enemy, shot down from the wall. As the enemy continued to talk and dispute its half-truths and its lies, Lord Innocency was also slain. And with Resistance and Innocency lost, the townspeople found themselves vulnerable to the lies of Diabolus. And the ear gate was opened and the enemy entered in. Mayor Understanding was immediately confined to his quarters and a tower was built to block the sunlight, making Mayor Understanding's habitation as dark as dark itself. And now we return to our Story of Proverbs 7. In verse 9, the story tells us that the day was fading. The night and the dark was setting in. An innocent, naive young man, lacking judgment, began wandering down a questionable street. It was at twilight when the day begins to fade and the night sets in. Soon it would be dark, and no one would see him strolling down the street. Maybe this young man was just curious. He'd heard so many things about this particular street, and maybe even about this particular house. But he was confident in his own ability to resist and to say no. But when darkness fell... A woman came out to meet him, a beautifully enticing seductress. She took hold of him and began to kiss him. Resistance and innocence were slain at eye gate and feel gate. At ear gate, she continued to seduce and to invite this young man to her home. I've been looking for you. You're the one that I want. I finally found you. Come home with me. Let us enjoy ourselves. My husband is gone and he will not be home for a while. And with these persuasively inviting words, the gate was opened. 
And while he may have momentarily passed through the doors of pleasure, he was being led to a certain death. Look in verses 22 and 23. This young man followed her like an ox going to slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose, waiting for the arrow to pierce it. Like a bird darting into a snare, not fully knowing that that had just cost him his life. Verses 26 and 27. Many are the victims that she has brought down. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. You can't help but imagine that this young man, in his dying, finally understood that he was simply her next victim. Her words, her enticements were lies. He wasn't so special after all. She had robbed him of his innocence and trampled him of his trust. She had taken advantage of him and left him on the curb to die. Verse 25 simply says, Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Now certainly this is a, a proverb that offers a strong warning to each of us about the dangers of sexual immorality. You see, sexual immorality has had a devastating impact on families, on individuals, and yes, even on the church. But we must also understand that Proverbs 7 is a, a metaphor for the importance of self-discipline and self-control in regards to all areas of morality. All immorality has devastating consequences physically, financially, relationally, spiritually, and emotionally. We all find ourselves curious, maybe even a little innocent and naive at times. And we must remember that in these moments, we are extremely vulnerable to the lies and the half-truths and the seductress and her words. We hear, or we see, or we taste, or feel something new. We think that a little naughty pleasure won't hurt us. Maybe it's a certain movie or show or website or, or video game or maybe it's a certain place that we've always been a little curious about. We think that we are wise to the ways of the world and that we'll be able to resist. We wander into the grayness of the dusk with just enough light to see, not realizing that in just a moment, the night will come. The darkness is much darker than we could have ever imagined. And we meet and we discover that in the darkness, there are people who love the darkness. 
And they love the darkness more than they love light because they have found in the darkness a covering for their sin and for their evil. Oh, that we would have listened to those who had gone before us. Oh, that we had just simply obeyed the commands that we had heard. Oh, that we would not have had to suffer and learn on our own. And now, in the darkness, with our innocency and our resistance put to death, we find ourselves hurting, even dying. The pleasures of darkness can be so enjoyable. The forbidden fruit can be so delicious. But the pleasure passes so quickly. And as the light begins to dawn, we find ourselves trapped, ensnared, being led to slaughter. We have become another victim on the highway to death. Pastor and writer Jim Dennison kind of summarizes these thoughts with these two sayings. First he writes, Satan or our enemy hates us so much that he cannot attempt us to do, excuse me, he cannot tempt us to do anything for which the gain outweighs the pain. Conversely, Denison writes, Our Father loves us so much that He cannot lead us to do anything for which the pain outweighs the gain. Oh, that we would embrace these thoughts and these understandings, that we would bind them to our hearts, that we would wear them as rings around our fingers that we would guard and treasure and meditate upon them. Proverbs 7.2 says, Keep my commandments and you will live. Let's pray.